0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: You could soon be paying more for a bottle of French Bordeaux or Greek olives or Italian prosciutto or Scotch Whiskey, among many other products. The World Trade Organization ruled last week that airplane manufacturer Airbus was receiving illegal subsidies from European Union countries, giving the company an unfair advantage over rival Boeing. The ruling allows the Trump administration to impose tariffs on $7.5 billion worth of European goods starting on October the 18th. In the meantime... A countersuit in the WTO could cite Boeing for receiving subsidies from various states where it manufactures planes here in the United States. With more on this ruling and uh, what it may mean, we're joined right now by Mary Lovely, economics professor at Syracuse University and a senior fellow at the Peterson Institute for International Economics. Mary, great to have you with us.
0: Great. Nice to be back with you, Dan.
1: Thank you. So I I think, obviously, a lot of attention is being placed on this first ruling, but we also have the potential of this this next ruling impacting Boeing coming up.
0: Yes. I mean, this dispute is very long in the making, and it's a very complicated case. Um, involving up to 400 different types of industrial subsidies. So it's really the beginning of, I hope, a broader discussion about the role of industrial subsidies and uh, the willingness of the global system to limit them uh, in the name of creating a a level playing field for trade. How,
1: How common is what we are seeing right now with the potential of subsidies involving government entities, both here and abroad?
0: Well, it's really hard to know exactly because many subsidies are in fact sort of hidden subsidies. So we do know that there's a case that's uh, working through the system and will likely be announced next year involving Boeing. And the case the uh, European Union has brought against the U.S. in that case, in that instance involves, uh, subsidies that are implicit in Department of Defense contracts to Boeing that allow Boeing to innovate and create new technology that they can then deploy in their commercial aircraft. It also involves subsidies by the state of Washington to Boeing, uh, particularly tax breaks, and we know that those are used by many states. Uh, Here in Virginia, we just uh, went through a case where we are giving state subsidies to Amazon for uh, part of its new uh, headquarters here in Arlington, Virginia.
1: So there's really no distinction, is there, between what the subsidies may be that uh, the European Union was giving to Airbus and, and what states may be giving to Boeing here in the U.S.?
0: Well, that that is the case, uh, that both could be challenged. The issue is whether we can draw some rules that say these are OK and these are not. Now, there are some instances that are pretty clear. For example, the European Union's use of um, special funds to try to develop less developed parts of the union, uh, sort of regional subsidies, are OK. Uh, things that don't target particular industries. Uh, but right now, within the WTO subsidy disciplines, um, there really isn't enough specificity so what what com- countries agreed to limit years ago when the WTO, uh, um, negotiations took place was really direct export subsidies. So it doesn't cover these things that may really give firms a big boost up, like reduced taxes, you know, reduced access to land, governments preparing sites for factories, uh, t- you know, even talent subsidies. There's a lot of different ways that governments can intervene. Having said that, we know from, you know, basic economics that there's good reasons why governments may want to overcome certain handicaps that keep, that keep their regions from developing in the way right. they would like to see. So this is going to be a tough thing to negotiate.
1: We are now joined by Mauro Guillen, who's a professor of international management here at the Wharton School. He's joining us from London today. Mauro, great to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So give us your sense uh, of this ruling by the WTO uh, on the subsidies that uh, Airbus received. And and obviously, as Mary kind of laid out, we're now going on, I guess, to the next step of the process, which may very well be a ruling either, uh, well, I think many people assume against Boeing for subsidies they receive here in the United States.
2: Uh, Well, this is a a ruling that uh, has been long in the making, as you know. I mean, it's been 15 years. Yeah. Uh, since the U.S. filed a complaint. Uh, and the U.S. filed a complaint because for the first time 15 years ago, Airbus got more orders, I think, uh, than, than Boeing. Um, and, uh, well, uh, it is what it is. Uh, it's undeniable that the Europeans uh, have been subsidizing Airbus, uh, specifically the, um, the um, upfront costs uh, for the A380, which is the uh, double-decker super-jumbo jet, and also for the um, A350, which is a uh, best-selling uh, uh, aircraft. Uh, and the Europeans, in turn, accuse the Americans of uh, indirectly subsidizing Boeing through defense contracts and so on and so forth. Um, I, you know, I remember reading uh, federal government agencies uh, like uh, the OTA, the Office of Technology Assessment, recognizing several years ago that, yes, Boeing uh, receives indirect subsidies that they can use to develop uh, commercial aircraft. Um, so, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, um At the end of the day, quite frankly, my view is that uh, we all benefit from having two companies uh, that make uh, excellent planes because uh, aircraft, as you know, have become more fuel-efficient, quieter, um, um, uh, and uh, and just uh, better over the last uh, 30 or 40 years. I think it would be uh, bad for the airlines and also for consumers if uh, we only had one major producer in the world. Uh, So, um, you know, I'm I'm happy with that duopoly. Uh, This is just uh, another skirmish. Uh, It will lead to uh, a few frictions here and there between Europe and the United uh, United States. Uh, But hopefully we can move on.
1: Well, and I think a lot of people, more are wondering whether or not there will be some sort of impact between the U.S. and the European Union moving forward, especially where we are right now with the potential concerns of, of trade skirmishes between those two entities with some of the comments that President Trump has made.
2: Well, sure. And that's, uh, as uh, you know, a bigger uh, backdrop to, to all of this, right, which is uh, the uh, attempt by the uh, Trump administration to uh, uh, reduce deficits. Um, so, I mean, we can also talk about that, obviously, but that's a much larger, much larger topic.
1: We're joined on the phone by, Mar- by uh, Mauro Guian, who's Professor of International Management here at the Wharton School, and also joining us, Mary Lovely, at Syracuse University. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Now, Mary, I think that the other point to talk about here is the fact that while there will be impact on the manufacturing of aircraft and, and the some of the tariffs being linked to that, as I said at the top, a lot of the tariffs are going to be involved with these other products. Wine, olives, whiskey, m- many other products. For those that don't follow this closely, if you can, take us through why those products kind of get linked into this.
0: Well, those products were mainly chosen to target the four countries that are viewed as providing, particularly, as I said, the launch aid. So the UK, Spain, France, and Germany, I believe. There's also some um, tariffs on Italian products. So it's really to extract the maximum pain. Now, one oddity about this case is that the European Union claims that it has already removed these subsidies. Mm And this gets us into the ongoing crisis and dispute settlement procedure at the World Trade Organization. As you know, the U.S. has refused to appoint appellate judges. And so if um, a a panel rules that the EU has, in fact, already reduced, has already fixed the problem, that would mean that the U.S. no longer has authorization from the WTO to levy these tariffs on wines and cheeses, et cetera. The problem is that the U.S. could just appeal that case, and with a dispute settlement body sort of dead in the water, then they there can be no resolution. The tariffs would stand. Similarly, when uh, the Boeing case comes down next summer, if the EU uh, is authorized to levy its own tariffs uh, to withdraw its concessions, and it goes ahead and does that, we will basically be at a stalemate where we have levied these punitive tariffs on products from our, one of our, our closest ally, and they have done the same. And there will be no mechanism by which, at least through the WTO, this could be adjudicated.
1: Mauro, your thoughts on that?
0: Uh,
2: yes, um, so I, I agree. I mean, the uh, the issue is, um, uh, you know, Europe and the United States uh, should be, um, um, you know, uh, uh, agreeing on these matters as opposed to uh, fighting them out, especially over such long periods of time, right? Uh, the other thing that I would mention about uh, the oddity of um, imposing on olives and, uh, and uh, wine and so on and so forth is that um, I think it has a lot of symbolism there, right? Uh, so, of course, everybody recognizes French wine or Spanish olives and all of that. Uh, and also, you know, agricultural interests, uh, sometimes they stage uh, protests uh, when uh, they're in trouble. So, Maybe the U.S. is counting on all of those tractors uh, being driven down the Champs in Paris and, and causing some traffic jams, right? So that's, I think, the uh, you know what's going on. It's kind of childish up to a up to a point, I would say, right. and especially as um, as was mentioned a moment ago, uh, the biggest issue here is that it has taken so long, right? But now you know if the subsidies have been removed why are we even you know like going back at uh, at each other's uh, you know uh, throat
1: well Mauro, then, then how would you be able to gauge whether or not the the subsidies have been removed how how from a, from an economics perspective would you be able to determine that
2: uh sorry i couldn't understand the question okay
1: well i mean if if in fact the european union has said that these tariffs, or I should say, these subsidies, have been removed. What is the evidence that that they would be bringing forward to show that they have actually done that?
2: Uh, the Europeans uh, and the Europeans can always, um, you know, show more evidence, right? Uh, and also uh, indicate that um, you know the A three hundred and eighty, you know, has been launched, that the A three hundred and fifty has been launched, and maybe commit okay. to, you know, better behavior in the future. Um, but I think we all need to be realistic here, right? I mean, these days, launching a new type of aircraft, especially a, a big, uh, you know, twin aisle, um, carrying more than 300 or 400 passengers, it's a very expensive thing. We all yep. benefit from it, right? Uh, so, uh, yes, sometimes subsidies are needed the same way that subsidies are needed for uh, train transportation. Um, uh, the airline industry is also subsidized because we, you know, we all invest, uh, you know, municipalities and governments invest in airports, Right. right. So I think, um, you know, we should come down a little bit. I, I think, um, you know, this, this whole Boeing Airbus uh, controversy has been going on for too long. And yes, both sides have, uh, you know, done things that are not, um, you know, congruent with WTO rules. Um, maybe, you know, the government should come together I mean, the European Union on the one hand and the U.S. on the other, come to the table and rather than, you know, um, go through all of these uh, lengthy disputes, just agree on some basic rules. Now, the other big thing that is going on, as you know, is that China is, is, is yeah. subsidizing its own aircraft industry. And that's gonna get interesting because I'm not sure there is room in, in, the, in the world, in the global market, for three large producers of aircraft. Remember, we used to have McDonald's Douglas as well.
1: yep. And uh,
2: McDonnell Douglas was pushed out when Airbus grew uh, because there was no room for three, right? Um, at least at the time. And uh, it ended up uh, being acquired by Boeing. So, um, so let's see. Uh, I think um, maybe for another two or three or four years, we will continue to be discussing the Airbus uh, Boeing uh, saga. Uh, but uh, very soon, I oh. think uh, it's going to be a three a three affa- affair, right? So it's going to be also the Chinese, uh, you know, trying to get their share.
1: Well, and Mary, Morrow mentioned before, but you know the the. The business relationship, I guess, the best way to put it, between Boeing and Airbus has been one that has benefited both companies for a, for a long period of time.
0: Yes, it has. Um, as Mara pointed out, though, you know the the industry will change with uh, China's entry, and that particularly points to the necessity of the EU and the U.S. stopping this sort of uh, unnecessary fight and look to discipline industrial subsidies through a multilateral negotiations. Um, now, you might say, well, this is easy. The FAA can simply not certify Chinese planes as being, uh, si- you know, worthy of flying in U.S. airspace. And so far they have not uh, done that, and they may not do that. But we have to remember that aircraft are complicated uh production processes, making aircraft, and that every airplane contains parts from multiple countries. Uh, And that's certainly true of the Chinese uh, plane, which China is not capable of manufacturing on its own. It has parts from all over the world. This was really brought out in this Uh, decision that came down this week, and the U.S. uh, retaliate, well, not retaliation, because they were authorized to uh, remove concessions and sort of WTO speak, mainly uh, levy tariffs. And they chose to levy tariffs on uh, exports of Airbus airplanes to the United States, so our imports of Airbus airplanes, but not on imports of parts, because those go to Alabama. Uh, where they're assembled. So we have complicated, in you know, interwoven global economy here and also this desire by uh, government, so intergovernmental competition to get the foreign investment and to have production done in their own country. All of it, I think, is extremely short-sighted. It doesn't see the benefits for consumers that Mara was talking about. It doesn't see the necessity of having vigorous competition in the industry to the extent that you know the market is big enough for it, uh, and it really doesn't see the value of uh, you know global supply chains. Mario,
1: your thoughts?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. I'm I'm looking right now at a uh, at a uh, a chart. A photograph shows the Boeing seven eighty seven Dreamliner, which is the most advanced Boeing uh, plane right now. And let me just tell you uh, what parts are made outside of the United States. Uh, so the horizontal stabilizer in the back of the plane that's made in Italy the cargo access doors in Sweden, uh, the um, engines in the UK, uh, the uh, parts of the fuselage in Japan, the entry doors in France, the landing gear, also in the UK, uh, the engine nacelles, which is the, um, the, the, contain, you know, the, the, the container for the engines in Canada, and parts of the wing in Korea and Japan. Um, so it's not really a 100% uh, US plane. Now, if you go to an Airbus, um, it's the same story. It is made in 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 bits and pieces in in Germany, in Spain, in uh, the UK, and in France, but it also includes many uh, components from the United States. So, so I think um, uh, you know it's really really important to uh, try to avoid these populist uh, you know arguments about trade, and try to see if we can uh, you know be a little bit more rational, right? And 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 especially think about the consumer, right? And Mm -hmm. what is best for the consumer,
1: right? What, the, what then it could, Mauro, the, the a potential impact be if the ruling comes down sometime early next year against Boeing? Are, are, are we not looking at, at a, a significant impact if we could be able to mitigate a lot of these issues with some of these conversations that you refer to?
2: Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting actually the ruling to be against Boeing because they'll probably find evidence of wrongdoing in terms of subsidization and all of that. And then, you know, we will, you know, uh, again, we will ba- be back in square one. And uh, what would be needed is, as both of us have been saying, is for the U.S. and the European Union to grow up and to sit at the table and as allies and as trading partners uh, to think about the issues uh, and uh, and to try to come to an agreement.
1: Mary?
0: Uh, I agree. Um so the European Union trade rep did come here, trade minister did come and make an offer that the U.S. sort of rejected out of hand, um, I think this summer. So, you know, it's the U.S. here we know has been engaged in a very aggressive and some might even say predatory, uh, trade policy. Uh, this is different because it has been authorized by the WTO, but we can see, um, The failure of the U.S. to want to negotiate this, at least at this time, as sort of part and parcel of this view that uh, trade is generally bad for the U.S. worker and um, that we have little to gain by going multilateral. I think those two things are wrong, Um, but we'll see. Interestingly enough, Delta has announced that there's going to be tariffs on planes that it has already purchased from Airbus. So the price that it has to pay Airbus is already set. It's 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 going to ask Airbus to reconsider or renegotiate. But what that means is, and what it's saying, Delta is saying, is that it's going to pay the entire tariff – And that that is going to be passed to passengers. So this goes to Morrow's statement about consumers. We're seeing directly this tariff being passed through to airline passengers who are either, you know, business, uh, flyers or people on vacation.
1: We're joined uh, by Mary Lovely of Syracuse University and also by Morrow Guillen from here at the Wharton School. Your comments welcome at 844 wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, Or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter, at BizRadio132, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess, Moro, that that's the concern with a, a lot of these tariffs, that in somehow, some fashion, that... The, the impact is going to be ultimately felt by the consumer when you're talking, whether you're talking about, uh, as Mary mentioned, in the airline industry or with these other products that, uh, that consumers would be buying at the stores here in the U.S.
2: Well, once again, I mean, I want to emphasize that the fixed cost of developing new aircraft are humongous. And, and there's you know, probably no company in the world, not even Airbus or Boeing, who could do it by themselves. But we need those airplanes, right? And we want them to become more efficient over time in terms of fuel consumption. Uh, and easier to operate, and, uh, and so on and so forth. So the issue at the end is it's more of a distributional one. Either we pay for the development of those things through our um, uh, airline tickets and taxes, or uh, we, um, we pay for it uh, through uh, just uh, you know, general taxation right? Uh, in some indirect way. At the end of the day, what we want is for technology to be developed and for technology to get, to get better. Um, uh, so, so uh, again, I mean, I think the basic issue is that it has become so expensive to develop a new aircraft um, uh, or type of aircraft that uh, that governments need to, uh, you know, step up to the plate. Otherwise, it would be, you know, um, we would still be flying the Boeings uh, from the 1970s. You know?
1: Mary?
0: Well, I agree. I do want to add, though, that, you know, trade policy is being used here strategically. So if we you know, it's not just a simple choice between, you know, we place on we place tariffs and you pay through it through your ticket or we subsidize here. The U.S. is deliberately make going to make Airbus uh, aircraft more expensive to purchase in the United States. And that's going to shift the market toward Boeing here. We're going to see with it with the. Uh, Uh, Announcement in the summer that very well the European Union could do the reverse. So now basically what we've done is we 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 reduce competition. Uh, We each have our own domestic champion, our own local monopolist who's been forced to play in a in a, a in a world with two. So they build better aircraft, hopefully, at lower prices. But now we're giving them more space to exercise their monopoly power. And I think that sort of industrial organization aspect is really important here. And it's part of what lies behind this uh, in the sense that people see, well, we'll just keep more of those jobs here. What they don't see is the impact on productivity, quality of the aircraft, and ultimately the benefit to the passenger.
1: Mary, thanks very much for your time. Morrow, thank you as well. Greatly appreciate your insight.
0: Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Thank you both. Margie and from here at the Wharton School, Mary Lovely at Syracuse University.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.